This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome to another edition of In Class with Dr. Greg Carr. I am Karen Hunter, and of course, that's Dr. Greg Carr, who has on a Jackie Robinson. What is, you have the most lovely, yes, yeah, oh, these, these sweatshirts. What is remember, this? remember when the young boys from Chicago won the Little League championship and they stripped them because they said they weren't all eligible. The Jackie Robinson West squad out of Chicago, oh, 2014, okay. they were the United States champs, and Little okay. League took the title from them. Yeah, that's okay. We rep the South Side Chicago, and they named for Jack Roosevelt Robinson. So shout out to all the black baseball players. I mean, you know. So yeah, I just happened. To, I threw this on. Yeah, you know. I got a stack of them, Karen. You know how it is. We, we try to rep our people. So, yes, Jackie Robinson West. Y'all remember that? It was only 20, 2014. I love it. I love it. All right. So, this weekend, well, this week, actually, on Friday, Dave Chappelle snuck us with a, a comedy special on YouTube, but it wasn't comedy. It was something else. And I was talking with Lamont King on my radio show about it, and he said, I think that Dave Chappelle has graduated from Richard Pryor into Gre Dick Gregory. And I thought that that was a profound connection. We have had a conversation about Dave Chappelle's father in passing during one of these Saturday discussions. And I remember I was like, Dr. Carr, just talking about Dave Chappelle's great, great grandfather, whatever. That, that was so crazy. Tell me about what you thought. Did you, what, I got up and watched it at six o'clock in the morning on Friday. Right. And he had dropped it just a couple of hours before. I thought, and it's interesting in the conversation you were having on the show, radio show. Um, I wrote a piece for Ebony. Remember when Larry Wilborn said, congratulations, my end to, to Barack Obama at the correspondence dinner? Dr. That Larry, is that his name? Wil Larry Wilborn from okay. the, the Daily yeah, Show. Or the night show after, after, the, um, after John Stewart left. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, no, Trevor Noah. I think he had the. He was what, before. He was before Trevor Noah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And he's done all this other stuff. I think he did creative work. He works with um, uh, Issa Rae and all them. Brilliant brother. He um, he did that thing where he called Obama, President Obama, the N word, and everybody was like, oh. And so they asked, did he finally break the N word by using it in front of white people? So. Uh, Ebony Magazine, the website, asked me to do a piece on it. And so I wrote a piece on uh, Larry Wilmore, but more importantly, the N-word, what I call the, at that time, the nitroglycerin of black speech. Uh, you got to handle it very carefully. And if you don't know how to handle it, you shouldn't use it. And at the time, this was around the time that they had given uh, Eddie Murphy the Mark Twain Prize at mm. uh, Lincoln Center. And I was working with Dick Gregory actually at the time, his last book, the last book that he, that he did while he was alive. I spent uh, several months with Mr. G. He would come up to Howard, cause I was like, I'll come see you Mr. G. He was like, nah, he getting that little two door silver bins and drive up to Howard University and park wherever the hell he want and dare somebody to tell him. <laughs> and I would meet him <laughs> at the front door of Founders Library where my offices are, African American Studies, our offices are there. And we would go upstairs and I'll be toting all these bags because, you know, Dick Gregory carried bags of books and papers and every kind of thing. And we'd sit down and for hours, for hours, we would just talk or I would just listen to him download his mental computer. I'm making notes. I'm asking questions because I was going to help him. Ultimately, that book came out, his last book on um, history. And I wrote the preface for the book. And I remember one day 
his uh, son Christian, my good friend, brother Christian Gregory. Um, the the two the two youngest young young youngest of his children. I'm good friends with them, Yahase and and Yanni Ayana. But Christian, like his business manager, so Chris called me say, man, my my pop will be there a little later today because he was up all night talking to these comedians at this Mark Twain prize. They came back to the hotel. I said, okay, no problem. Listen, man, we can do it tomorrow. He said, no, 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 no. He wants to come. He wants to come. And of course, he showed up. Anyway, I went all, I went through all that to say this. In the piece I wrote for Ebony. I talked about what Mr. Gregory told me, uh, Baba Dick told me in the wake of that meeting they had. He said he had all that generation in the room with him because they had all come to see Eddie Murphy, but then they came and sat at Dick Gregory's feet and had this intergenerational conversation. And in the piece of Ebony, I said, uh, the pioneer in many ways to this, we're going to find in the mid 20th century. Like people don't know the name of Godfrey Cambridge, for example. A lot of people don't know that community. He died early, you know, watermelon. Watermelon man. Yeah, exactly. See, you know, we know, right? And there are people comes to Harlem. Say, yeah. Oh my God. Cotton comes to Harlem, making those movies out of those Chester Himes novels. The heat right. is on, becomes Cotton Come to Harlem. Right. That's that's really the roots of this satire that makes it into television. But of course, uh, Dick, uh, uh Godfrey Cambridge dies early. So say Dick Gregory emerges in many ways, parallel with, and then as the counterpose to Bill Cosby, but then Richard Pryor becomes kind of like that person, that kind of truth speaker. You know, you could say George Carlin along with him, but it said the living legend at the time, I said the paterfamilias of using the N-word in a way to defang it was Dick Gregory. I said, but the heir apparent is Dave Chappelle. Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of aligned them that. in the firmament. But so of course, Dick Gregory's an ancestor now. Yes, and, and his book, his his autobiography is called is called Nigger. Called Nigger. And I, this is weird. I got to Come sit with now. him. I got to sit with this. This is so strange because we don't pre work this at all. I hate record and we start talking. It's ancestral, y'all. What y'all watching? This lets you know there are ancestors. At there are. <laughs> I got a, I got an opportunity to sit with Dick Gregory because I started a, a digital publishing house in 2011, 2010, and I sat with him. I met with him in D.C sat with him the whole day. Oh my God, it was an experience. And he allowed me to pr pr publish the digital version of Nigger. Oh yeah. So that was me, right? I and did not know that to this yeah. moment. That's you, of yeah. course. So, so what was so interesting, because you know, I had to read it. It was so powerful talking about his life and that word. And you know, we have a complicated relationship with it. I have personally decided not to use it anymore, even though it is something that I was raised with and, and born into and understand it at a tertiary level, what it means both negatively and positively. But I don't know whether in this time, Dr. Carr, the NAACP buried it. I thought that was ridiculous. I thought that was like the, the most wasteful. Of course, of course. But, but Dave Chappelle used it a lot and I was cringing in some parts because of where we are right now. And he used it with, in, in, in actually called George Floyd that. And, and I know he was just in his flow, but I'm like, can we not change the language around this? Can we, is this the time to do it? Is this well, the time? Well, and this is, this is of course our point of entry to what Dave Chappelle did the other night with 846. This podcast is brought to you by CarShield. With all the uncertainty in the world right now, everyone's top priority is safety. And protecting your vehicle is crucial, whether you're on the front lines as an essential worker out there protesting 
or even making trips to the store, we rely on our cars a lot. And I actually want us to get out of debt. So hold on to your cars, pay off your car. But that also means you're going to need extended coverage. So go to CarShield. CarShield takes the worry away from car repairs. They have affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. And the people at CarShield understand payment flexibility. That's a must. Monthly payments can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield gives you options you others won't. CarShield gives you options others won't. You can get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield has helped more than a million customers, so you drive with confidence and peace of mind knowing you got covered by America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can keep your family safe and save thousands for a covered repair. Give them a call, 800-CAR-6000, mention code KAREN, or visit carshield.com, use code KAREN, K-A-R-E-N, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code KAREN. A deductible may apply. I don't use it, and I use it when I'm not thinking. Mm. In other words, you know, I've heard there is no good description, definition of the word culture. I, I kind of in class use culture to define what we do. You know, culture is what people do. But it's learned behavior that becomes so ingrained that we do it without thinking. So when we say nigga, it's because we have done it so long and done it so many times that it's ingrained in the deeper structure of our culture. We weren't born with it. So it's not a biological function, but it's been handed down so much. And that's what really what I was trying to get at in the little article for Ebony. What I said was it is the nitroglycerin. It's handled carefully because it gets flowed at any moment. And at the same time, we have to understand what the last poet said. I'll never forget in their song, Die Nigger. They, the whole thing, they sing it, die, nigga. Heard that some niggas died on 52nd Street. Go on and die, nigga. Niggas dying all the time. And then at the end, they say, die, nigga, die, nigga, die. So black folk can take over. And that's where I ended the, the article. Like, I don't care what you remix gloss. At the end of the day, it will be the rejection of this world that will open us up to the possibility of a humanity that has been defined by race. So nigger, the way Wilborn is used it, was almost to say to white people, you know what, I don't care. But you're still talking to white people. Because you know there's an internal barometer for how we use this word. It's very differently. I think in that same respect, Dave Chappelle in using it. And, and it's very interesting because I want to, like I said, we go through this 846 because I thought, and well, I'll say in a minute, why I thought it was genius. And why I think a lot of people are saying that. Dave Chappelle at one moment, particularly, and, and again, now he's using another word, maybe cringe, bitch, which is tough. Because then he says, you know why I'm saying that? Because it's black. In other words, because this conversation is black. I think Dave Chappelle was trying very clearly to occupy a space of honesty that was stripped of a moral force. In other words, I'm going to talk as if there's nobody else in here. It's just because me. It's just us. Yeah, it's just us. And y'all gonna listen? Fine. If you don't listen, fine. Because remember near the end, almost toward the end, he said, am I boring y'all? In other words, he's he's in a moment where he's like, I don't need to talk. And I want to go through this kind of minute, not minute by minute, but stage by stage, because I don't think anything Dave Chappelle did was accidental. But I'm talking about it as a teacher. 
I'm watching him as I've always watched him as a teacher. In fact, let me just introduce the other Mark Twain prize story. It made me think about it. Remember when he got the Mark Twain prize a while ago, just a few months ago. Yeah. And he thanked his mother. Dr. Yvonne Sian, the salutatorian of her graduating class at Paul at Dunbar High School, that same Dunbar High School that produced all those geniuses we've been talking about all these weeks, including uh, Mary Church Terrell worked there, Robert Church's daughter, uh, Charles Hamilton Houston, uh, Charles Richard Drew, all these, all these. His mother was the salutatorian of her graduating class. Yvonne Sian got a PhD. She was the founding director of the Black Cultural Center at Wright State University. Yvonne Sion worked for Patrice Lumumba. She met Langston Hughes at the first conference of Negro writers in Dakar, Senegal in the early 1960s. Yvonne Sion is a legend in Africana studies among Pan-African circles. Her son is a direct, you, you see her fingerprints and not just her fingerprints. You see the fingerprints of a generation of scholars on not only Dave Chappelle's content mastery, but his delivery technique. I am more convinced every time I hear this brother that he is not in fact a comedian, but he's using irony to teach. And it isn't accidental. The reason I raised that, because at that Mark Twain prize, when he got the Mark Twain prize and he thanked his mother and she clapped, I mean, Yvonne Sia now is in, in, in her ninth decade of life. She passed 80. So he said, you know, my mother used to come watch my shows. She would tell me, you know, she told me about the function of a griot. And I was like, where is this man going? See, griot is the French word. Griot is the word they think, oh, storyteller. No, no, no. I would ask people perhaps to check out the uh, United Nations Education, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Forget that. Use the acronym UNESCO. UNESCO. Right, UNESCO General History of Africa. Yes. In the General History of Africa, this is volume one on methodology. This book, and they're online. If you go to UNESCO's website, the UN, you can get PDF. You can digitally download. And when they published it, they actually published a paperback. That's the abridged edition. But there are eight volumes. The ninth one's coming out soon. This is the unabridged. There's a chapter in this book, The General History of Africa, by the great Burkina Faso historian Hampate Ba. Hampate Ba wrote chapter eight, The Living Tradition. In that book, he says, okay, I understand we use griot. Let's move back from that to what the Africans meant when they talk about people who have memory to tell stories. He says, we would use, he said, my culture, my people of Burkina Faso, we might use the word jolly, B-J-A-L-I or D-I-E-L-I. It doesn't really matter the spelling, but jolly is the word. I'm going to sound like ha, 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 jolly. He says, jolly translates as literally the word blood. He says, you know what a jolly does? A jolly serves a function in society that blood serves in the body. It keeps everything circulating. It gets rid of impurities. It moves through. That's its function. He says, that is the function of the memory keeper in society, the jolly. He says, so y'all can think, man, James Sapelle, he's like a jolly. He's circulating the blood. He's getting the impurities out. But then Hampate Ba says, there is another function for the memory keeper called the DOMA, D-O-M-A. He says the DOMA are those in society that some people translate as traditionalists. What they say must be absolutely accurate at all time. And they have a common commitment 
that no one can violate if you're a doma. All jollies, he said, are not doma. He said, some jollies, their job is to hype you up when you go into battle. Yeah, remember that time your family killed all these people? He said, it ain't gotta be completely true. They're the hype people, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Flavor Flav in a way is like a jolly, but he's a comedy jolly. You ain't gotta, everything you say ain't gotta be true. He says, but the doma, when they open their mouths, everyone must listen because they have a commitment to truth that says if they lie once, they have to quit the profession. Mm. I knew a Joma who was an elder who told somebody alive to keep a woman alive who was hiding at his house. She lived, they got past the crisis, he came to the fellow Doma and said, now I must resign. Because even though it was for a good reason, I wow. told a lie, which means I cannot be trusted. I mean, it, it's that level of, so watching Dave Chappelle, I said, this is a jolly, but he is not quite in the Doma function, not but he is yet. so close to the Doma now. And see, in America, as well said in Ebony, in America, it has been the comedians because see, in Black America, in fact, I used to tell my students, I think America uh, translates as irony. Why? You know what the <laughs> definition of America is? Irony. If you're Black in America, everything is ironic because it don't yes. mean the same thing to you. Zornel yeah. Hurston said that. Sterling Brown said that. Dave Chappelle, I think, uses comedy as his technique, which he said that night at the Mark Twain Prize. He walked through. He said, I can say things using comedy that y'all be like, Oh, yeah. And he said, like, I got a racist friend who's a comedian. He was talking. I'm laughing. I was like, ha, ha, ha. Then I said, yeah, he means that shit. In other words, <laughs> you can say this with comedy. So, 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 the, so the piece. He dropped it in the middle of the night. Dave Chappelle, remember the first thing he brings up is that Northridge earthquake. Yes. He says it happened in the middle of the night. This man thinks in... He's like a musician, really, because what he does is at the beginning of his sets now, he states a theme and then that carries him through. And then he narrates other themes that carry through. The Doma function, the, well, the Jolly function does this as well, but the Doma do this as well. The Doma said, whatever you say has got to be true, but you can put your spin on it, but you must always return to the root of the truth. And then you're just embroidering the truth with your uh, time of life. Dave Chappelle did that. So he dropped it, and I'm doing the math in my head as I'm watching, because you watched it about six. It had been dropped a couple hours early, because I'm, you know, up reading, whatever. And then I saw it, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so, and I'm doing the math. I'm thinking, did he just drop this around the same time that the earthquake happened? Because he said the earthquake happened in the middle of the night. Okay, let me just watch this. His point of entry. Let's go back uh, to, remember Sticks and Stones? That was the earlier, especially he did, like, last year, a year before. Mm -hmm. Remember, he starts it with, I was dreaming when I wrote, I wrote this. this. Yeah, he did <laughs> so that the first thing, right here. The first thing he does in that one is he interjects the fact that whatever I say after this, y'all going to have to decide whether or not I'm crazy. I was dreaming, right, right. But, but I brought my man Prince in. So he begins this one. He doesn't start with a song. He starts in the middle of the night by saying, this earthquake. It only lasted a few minutes. Then he drops the theme. Eight minutes. 56 seconds. 40, 48 seconds, he says. Was 48, right? No. 846. He says, imagine somebody having their, name, their neck on you, their knee on your neck like that. And he was saying, the panic I felt 
was temporary. And I said, I'm not even going to change my face because if I die, I don't want to go out screaming. And then he immediately goes to how long George Floyd was there. And then, like a musician, he has stated the melody, he stated the rhythm, he's going to loop back to it by saying, remember what he said, he called his mother. He's going to come back to that in a minute. He is his dead mother. He called out to his dead, dead mother. He begins that. And the thread he has now put in is an immovable base. Because what did he just do? Very quietly, very cleanly, he just established the ancestor as the president. He got the mother in. So now I'm reading this and I'm thinking, wow, but what else did he say in the beginning? Y'all trust me. See, a teacher has to establish, there, there are three authorities in any classroom, the teacher, the text, and the student. At any given moment, one of those authorities can emerge as the important thing. If a teacher's not good, the student's got to learn it anyway, so sometimes they have to rely on each other. If you can't understand following the book, then you got to rely on somebody to help you. If the teacher's not good, the student's not good, you go to the book. But at any given moment, any of them, but the teacher, Asa Hilliard used to talk about this all the time. We were having conversations with Asa about this. And in fact, he writes about this in his chapter in the book, Young, Gifted, and Black. He says, you know, a teacher must have content mastery and they must have the ability to help the student acquire content mastery. So it isn't enough for the teacher to know, although it is a prerequisite that the teacher knows. For those of you thinking about teachers, if you're getting somebody, if you're getting a degree in teacher education, you also need to get a subject that you mastered. It isn't good enough to just know teaching techniques. You got to know something, content mastery. Dave Chappelle in that room is the teacher. Notice, did you see anything he carried out there and sat on that stool? Did he book. have anything with him? He had a book. Dave Chappelle had his book. Dave Chappelle had his book. I don't remember seeing Dave Chappelle carry a book on the stage. But what that tells me is Dave Chappelle is scribbling stuff down all the time. And at this moment now, he's workshopping ideas, but he also said, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. So how's he going to establish uh, authority? Here we go. He says, remember what he says? These young people in the streets, I'm comfortable in the backseat. I'm comfortable in the backseat. He says, y'all got this. Who has he just given authority to students the student so the teacher he's got a text but i think that book represented the text because the text was already in his head other thing about a jolly humpate ba says you don't write stuff down in fact i love the way the africans writ large the yoruba say this the akan say this in fact i remember sitting with the great babala wande abambola his son is on faculty at howard but when i met wande abambola who is considered one of the great yoruba thinkers of his time, and a Babalawo who is a deep student of the Odu Ifa, the sacred text of the Yoruba people generally. He said, I had all these American students who want to come study with me in Nigeria because they want us to understand divination. So I brought them over. And after about a week or two, they said they had to leave. They couldn't keep up. Why? He's, he, he said, because I would not let them write anything down. He mm. said, and, then he, and he sat there and told us, he said, because writing kills memory. Ooh. And I was like, Baba, but you write stuff down? He said, yeah, and I will continue to write. But if you only know the world through writing, and believe me, I I'm a reader. I, you know, we, we, we're going to do some, some writing now. You and I and the world, we're going to do some things. People say, I need a book. I need a book. We are constantly talking about books. Absolutely. Writing is very important. 
But my primary life this far, thus far has been as a reader and as a teacher. We have conversations. Hampate Ba says the great memory keepers don't write. It comes mouth to ear. And he traces it all the way back to the origin of the world. He says, in their worldview, the origin of the world is speech. He says, you know what speech is? Speech is when the creative function of your being manifests itself first as, as, as vibrations against your vocal cords and then comes out of your mouth in the word. He said, that is an outward expression of the inward creative function. The thought precedes the word. And I'm gonna tell you right now, that goes all the way back to the Egyptians. So Dave Chappelle has this book in his hand, but I'm looking and the longer he talks, I'm realizing he flipped through it at the beginning a couple of times, then he didn't touch it again. That thing was already in his head. So he's got the text, he's got himself. And when he says, I'm in the back seat, he has allowed now the students to function as authority. That's very important because then what happens? Oh, now it gets crazy. Earthquake. Thing didn't last more than three, four minutes. I think it was 35 seconds. 35 seconds? Yes, yes. 35 seconds. Then he says 846. What has he just done? He has established George Floyd and the killing as the authoritative text he's gonna take for his subject. In other words, I was scared after 35 seconds. This man was under that knee for 846, calling his mother unto death, who's already an ancestor, and he's gone. So whatever else, anybody else gotta say, this is the authoritative text that will not be argued against as we continue. And at that point, he dismisses Candace on. This is genius. I'm watching this guy. In other words, I'm taking away all arguments. I'm going to dismiss Candace Owens now, who has started this bullshit talking like, well, he wasn't a this, he wasn't a that. And at the same time, who's the next, do you remember, who's the next person he comes for? Laura Ingram. No, he ain't getting Laura Ingram yet. It's a dude. He says, I was watching TV and I was oh. watching... Don Lemon. He dismisses Don Lemon. Let's just get this. I'm, I'm watching this guy as a teacher. What has he done? He says, okay. He said he's basically saying, hustlers out here trying to make your little book money, talk shit. TV anchors who don't know nothing about it. Celebrities like me. Because he uses Don Lemon to not only dismiss the television anchors, but to, and this is where it gets critical to dismiss celebrities. He says, you know, Don Lemon called people out. He's like, boy, you better not, don't you better not, I'm waiting for him, don't say my name. And then what does he say? I don't need to talk, the streets are talking. The streets are talking. He says, I know, he said, the people in the streets. So you don't need to hear from me, Ja Rule, and then he leaves everybody else unsaid. Every celebrity, all this is everybody who watching this and who hear about this, every celebrity going on TV to explain what's going on, every ball player taking a stand, y'all do that. Use your platform, but please understand that this movement is not about y'all and everybody in mass commercial entertainment media is trying to get them in and ask them and move them around. Uh-uh, guess what? Dave Chappelle to let y'all know the text in this is the man that died, the women who died, and the streets. And what does he say? He says, I, he said, I know all these songs. I know all the protest songs. I'm thinking about his mama now and the way he came up. And guess what he says? I know these songs. 
I sang these songs. I'm going back to Sticks and Stones when he critiques the white male uh, gaze. He says, we know these roads. We made these roads. Dave Chappelle tells stories like a musician. That triplet, in other words, I have the authority. I am relinquishing the authority on this to the streets because they are the true text. And then, oh my God, then he gets into his lesson. Then he gets into his lesson. He's established the authority. He's established, he's he said that the authority doesn't rest in us. Lord have mercy. And this is where it gets deep as hell. Because he didn't say, y'all trust me, right? Y'all trust me. He did something that I didn't think I would see. Because it's clear now he can't be canceled. That was what Sticks and Stones was about. Whether you agree with him or disagree with him, he can't be canceled. Professor Hunter, you know, because you talked about it when it happened. Many people know, but they ain't thought about it until that four-day-in-the-morning piece that Dave Chappelle just dropped. He brings up Chris Dorner. He brings up Chris Dorner, Karen. No, I was like this. Yo. Yeah. You can't talk about Chris Dorner? Yeah, no, you know you can't talk about Chris Dorner. You can't talk about him! But Dave Chappelle talked about Chris Dorner. Because Dave Chappelle established the people in the streets and George Floyd is the text, himself as a teacher with content mastery who has the trust of an audience who he has relinquished authority to. So this is not about Chris Dorner. He is now going to use Chris Dorner to bring out the point Chris Dorner brought. I'm watching this guy like, this man's not a comedian. This is a master teacher who was trained mouth to ear by a master teacher who told her son, as he said that night at the Mark Twain Prize, sometimes, son, you got to learn to tell this story in a way that you can roar like a lion, but appear as meek as a lamb. I mean, she, he's dropping the jewels at the thing, and they think, oh, he's just giving a tribute to his mother. Now, y'all better listen to this guy right here, because if he is indeed the heir apparent to a Dick Gregory, you're watching somebody who has not only learned from Mr. Gregory literally at his knee, mm -hmm. but who is now going to embroider what Dick Gregory embroidered, what Pryor embroidered, what uh, what um, uh, Millie Jackson embroidered, what Godfrey Cambridge embroidered, what, which goes back to the original truth that we had with us when we first got off that boat and was like, what the hell is this? Which is using <laughs> irony to never leave who we were. Y'all making a mistake asking these academics, asking these celebrities, because they're going to lie to you. They are jollies for America. They're going to circulate the blood to keep America going, and that's fine. But what they are not, they are not DOMA. They are not truth tellers. You know why? Because when you see one, you throw the rest of them away. When you hear a James Baldwin, you're like, oh, yeah, James Baldwin, I'm a DOMA. I don't care what you think. I'm just, when you hear a Zora Hurston, you want to make her into a story. Now, y'all better listen to Zora. In fact, you ain't really read Dust Tracks on the Road. You ain't really tell, mm -hmm. tell my horse. I mean, oh you, tell, you know, you, you know she, she telling y'all something else. You understand? So, Chris Dorner. What does he use Chris Dorner? Why did he use Chris Dorner? What do you think? Oh, I already know. Uh, to Come on, break it down. Well, he said as he takes you through the story, 400 police officers showed up. They turned him into Swiss cheese because he took out one of their own. So what do you, because he took out one of their own, 400 showed up for one man. For to one explain man. 
how we show up when we see ourselves in George Floyd and Brianna right? Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. It was mm-hmm. when he, I, I, I had to, I had to, yeah. I had to jump around the room yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yes. Now, 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 let's walk back a minute before he got to the, to the, to the, to the, to the lesson, which is, it's them versus us. 400 of them came. They made him Swiss cheese. They not with us. Remember why he says Dormer went off. Dormer went off. Yeah. They went to he serve. He did everything him. right. He did the everything right. The white woman. Remember he said the white woman acted crazy and he reported her and he couldn't get no traction. And fired him. Right. Right. And remember what he says. He pauses there on the white woman police officer long enough to say, white women, I support you. But y'all shut the fuck. In other words, he is now, now he's <laughs> not the authority. He's moving everybody. But it looks like a casual side joke. Nah, nah, this this right here, this is a jolly forming as a doma. He done thought about this whole thing. And what looks like a throwaway remark, even if he didn't think about it deliberately, which I think he did, but let's just say he didn't. Let's see if somebody's watching this say, you're reading too much into it. All right, then fine. Argue against it. The point is this. Then he says, Doma couldn't get any traction, so that's when he goes out in the hills. That's when he's shooting. That's when they kill him. Oh, remember he says he was supposed to go to the award show, and the police call him and say, do you need an escort? And then he drops something. Students watching this, not only did he have a book when he came on stage, what did Dave Chappelle say about the manifesto that he told the police? He said, oh, I read the manifesto. Pause. Now, remember, he didn't body Don Lemon in them already. All you TV anchors, a crazy black man in the woods. Nah, I read the manifesto. He called me a genius. I got the problem. <laughs> right. And, he but look, for me, right? <laughs> and he for me. Right. And he for me. But then I read it, though. But I read it. I read it. I read it. And then, and then, just to make sure that nobody would make this into Dave Chappelle, crazy old kill white people, he said, well, he called Kevin Hart a genius, too. I'm watching this guy. <laughs> In other words, I'm not going to let y'all get me out here and make me into an advocate for what Domer did. And I'm not going to say that he was a complete genius. Why? Because he called me a genius. Yeah, but he called Kevin Hart a genius too. And him, Kevin, Kevin Hart like this. You know, Kevin Hart calls your fellow genius, right? So, but then when he says that, he says they came for him, they wiped him out. And then he says, in the manifesto, he also said to my friend Bradley Cooper, you know, don't make no more this movie, whatever the movie said. And I said, you remember that movie Bradley Cooper uh, starred in where he was a sniper? No. Was it Bradley Cooper? He played Rocket Raccoon, but he was he, a... He also was in Hangover. I mean, that's... Yeah, no, he's going to be talking, movie. don't make no more yeah, Hangover. Don't, don't make any more Hangover. But, 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 but Bradley look Cooper see, put... All right, let me look that up. Yeah, see, Bradley Cooper, put in the word sniper. Maybe it wasn't Cooper who starred. I think it was Bradley Cooper, though. Or maybe I'm imagining things. No, I type in Bradley Cooper sniper movie, American Sniper. American Sniper. He was a military guy who was charged with going overseas as a sniper and killing people. And he has this crisis of conscience. Am I killing people just because the army won? All right. I read the manifesto. He drops in Bradley Cooper, seemingly innocuously on the way, telling a joke. And I'm thinking, you know who I went to immediately? Timothy McVeigh, who also wrote a manifesto. Now, what did Timothy McVeigh do in Oklahoma City? What, blowing up that state building? Blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City. That and why did he say he did it? Because he said they sent me overseas to kill people for the United States. And I came back here. And this government is in our business. It was a white nationalist manifesto. 
but it's the same rationale that has been used by white nationalists who say they want to start a race war in this country, but they leave a manifesto. And in the case of these military guys, it like like uh, Timothy McVeigh, a gloss of a character that Bradley Cooper played in American Sniper, they say, I did it because the army sent me overseas to kill people. Dave Chappelle takes a black version of what these white dudes do and says, you know what drives these guys crazy? And then he names the other guys, the guy in Dallas, the, uh, Johnson, Xavier Johnson, the guy in Baton Rouge. He said, you know what drives these guys crazy? Is that you send them overseas to kill. It's like he's exposing state violence. It's so much there and I'm listening to this thinking, if he didn't think about this, he should have thought about it because I don't think this is just osmosis. And here's where it gets interesting. As you said, when he says at the end there that they sent 400 because one of them got killed, what he's saying is, right or wrong, they going to protect their white people. And that's where I'm looking like, this guy is teaching a master lesson. Then next, next he goes to LeBron James. He starts talking about LeBron James and he says, Laura, let's make it Laura Ingram. He said, Laura Ingram told him to shut up and dribble. He said, Laura Ingram is a regular ass bitch with a platform. He says, LeRon James, who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a teenager and excited. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He says, he's the best he is at what he does. And you are not the best at anything. You, what has he done now? The Rush Limbaugh's, the uh, Laura Ingrams, all you white Sean people. Hannity, Tucker Sean Carlson. Hannity. Yeah, right, right. You're not the best you are at anything. And then, <laughs> then he goes to Eric Garner. My God. He says, you know, my wife is pregnant with our first child. You know, we're on Staten Island. Fuck everybody on Staten Island sell Wu-Tang. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. What is he doing? He's, he, he's, he's, again, coming back to this notion that I'm going to take away from this country the idea that it's one country. He says they killed Eric Garner. They had killed George Floyd. And then he calls... Crawford, John Crawford, who died in the Walmart, Mike Brown, Philando Castile. I wish he had called a couple of sisters. I think though he was making a gender point. And of course, we know when it comes to gender, there's been a lot of critique of Dave Chappelle. And I think not without cause in terms of sometimes how you approach his women. I think that's a very that's layered. Thin. So, you know, like, and, and that's a conversation at some point we should have. You know, I, 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 we have been pitted against each other since we got here. Yes. Off those boats. Yes. This is not African the way we behave with one another. No. The, the friction and the contention between black men and black women is by design. You Absolutely. know, and, and it and and there's merit because there's truth in all of the things, you know, because you tend to manifest your behavior based on how you because all you need is well, oh yeah, women black women are angry, they don't give us a chance. And then as soon as you're angry, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And so so a lot of that, yeah, black women are hard. Because it is hard, and black men have a hard time, and we both have a hard time, and it, it's baked in. So I see it a lot: the misogyny, and and, and we over-index. We both and, do. And and yeah. and black women over-indexing, and how they treat black men as well. So you know, there's fault all around, but it's not our fault. But we need to work through it. And this is what I love about you and I, because there's a there's an undying love here. No you question. know, there's an undying love here, and I and I, I I can't deny that I love your mind, and and we can have these conversations, and there's no there's no competition. I no. don't feel you don't feel, and and I I feel in many ways, you know, 
this is a model for how discourse can happen. You know, how we can talk things out. I'm not right all the time. I'm looking to learn. You're, you you're here, you know, up. and it's just, it, it don't have to be hard. We That's can right. get there. All right, okay. well, let's get back to Dave Chappelle. We no, we haven't left it. No, we haven't. We have no, not. We haven't left it. Because what you're talking about now, uh, Prof, I think is very important for people to pick up on. This is how, and I think Kampate Ba would agree with this. This is how, uh, this is a dome of function. If we're going to be truthful, then we're going to be truthful. And so, like you say, when Larry Wilborn comes out and says, oh, you did it, my nigga, and they're like, oh, if it had been just Black people in the room, it may have been differently received. But the conversation we're having, we're talking as if, we're, we're talking without regard to whether somebody is going to be offended. As much. What we're trying to do is be true. We're trying to be Doma. We're trying to have a conversation that our people have every day. And that's why when later on, when uh, Dave Chappelle evokes Candace Owens again and says that she was critiquing uh, George Floyd, he said, I don't care. No, he was killed. That makes him the guy. We don't, we're not in search of heroes. He said, every black person that survives in this goddamn country is my god damn hero. In other words, what he has done is I'm going to lift off the idea that we got to engage in this politics of respectability, critique of victims. Nah. And so even like you say, Sandra Bland, even as you say, uh, when we see Breonna Taylor, when we see these sisters are part Tatiana of our- Tatiana Jefferson. Absolutely. And we have to be able to think about ourselves as a community not as a demographic within a community, a racial demographic, a gender demographic, a class demographic. All of those things are important. I know when you know, I've had folks say, well, you know, well, what about uh, black queer and black trans people? I say, you know what, here's my answer to everybody on all the identities. I am for every African in harm's way. But what about Period. every, did you not hear? In other right. words, if you got something we got to address, if I got something we got to address, then we definitely, we don't shy away from any conversations. But let us be clear. And this is what Dave Chappelle is doing the other night. By naming those cats, he's saying, you know, I'm for everybody. And watch this. I'm for everybody, even though, well, for two reasons. Well, I'm for everybody in two circumstances. One circumstance is, it could be me. The other circumstance is, it's not going to be me in every circumstance because he says the guy that killed John Crawford stopped me the day before and let me go. He introduces class wow. way to right. the point. I'm right. watching this guy like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm the Negro y'all like who came back to Ohio. See, Dr. Sion was the director of the center at Wright State. Then she moved back to D.C. She taught at Howard. She, she, is, she retired from Prince George's County Community College. Brilliant sister. And she raised Dave Chappelle and his siblings here. She, after she retired from PG, uh, she went back out to Ohio and, you know, took over directorship of the center again. I mean, she's a revered figure. I'm saying, but Dave Chappelle lives out there. You know, when I'm in Central Ohio going by Central State University, or I'll pass by through where Wright State is in Dayton or come over to the bookstores out there by Kent State. I know those places. I lived, I lived in Ohio. I was in Columbus. I went to Ohio State so uh, for my graduate degree. And so I know Ohio. Dave Chappelle is a black they like. And Dave Chappelle is telling them, yeah, I'm a black you like, and I'm also that black you're scared of. Let's be very clear. The guy that killed John Crawford, let me go. There may have been a night when he wouldn't have let me go. And whether he let me go or not, I am John Crawford. And he said John Crawford got caught up in the uh, rush of media because Mike Brown was killed immediately after. But the reason he names those ancestors 
is that he's now continuing to establish the authority of these ancestors regardless of what they would do. So it ain't about whether or not Philando Castile had a warrant for the gun as he got shot. It ain't about whether John Crawford had a BB gun. It ain't about whether Floyd had warrants or it busted in somebody's house. No, he was killed. That makes him the guy. Candace Owens, which means what? Now you can throw Candace Owens out the race. And guess what? Yes, you can get thrown out the race. I'm for every African in harm's way. If Candace Owens gets killed by the police, I'm in the street for her. But guess what? Inside? No, nah, yeah, there are ways of being Black. Black ain't a biological identity, except when it was imposed on us. There's also a politics of Blackness. So let's be very clear. There's a continuum. We ain't throwing nobody away, but you can be on the periphery of the continuum. And Dave Chappelle, nah, move along, Candace. And everybody who think like that, if you're going to blame a victim. And then he pauses. Then he pauses, Candace. And he asks a four-word question. Am I boring you? Stop. <laughs> Just stop, bro. <laughs> he says, am I boring you? What is he just, okay, so now, like a musician, he gonna give us a break before he goes in for the finish. He says, nah, okay, all right, because you know. But let me go back to something else. Now, again, he's thinking, I'm listening to him like you, a teacher, listening to somebody who's following their lesson plan, but also as a student of music. You know, I played music up until through college. You know, so I'm just, I'm listening. What you play? What you play, Dr. Carr? I played trumpet as a young man. I was drumming in high school, man. I went, and the reason I, one of the reasons I went to Tennessee State, I wanted to play in an HBCU marching band. Oh, I could see. But I them, see that. Yeah, but you know, and I love the trumpet. I still love the trumpet. I got a trumpet. But when I came to the first day of band practice before <laughs> my freshman year at Tennessee State, and I saw this young sister, Tanya Boyle from Arkansas, get up with her silver trumpet. And hit a note I couldn't even hear. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm gonna go to baritone horn. <laughs> yeah, I ain't no fool. I wanna make this band. <laughs> I said, these Negroes here, they bringing that fire. So I switched to baritone horn as I was in Tennessee State's band. But my point is, when, 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 you, when you love music, and all of us, whether we play instruments or not, whether you love music, you can hear somebody who is, 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 is playing his instrument or playing her instrument like a musician. He is established early on when he talks about, you know, he, he, he mentions, you know, pow, pow. Then later on, he's like, bow. At the end, he's going to go to rat-a-tat-tat. -tat. Each one of the times wow. he uses that staccato, he has used it to address a killing of a black, except the last one, which we're coming in for a landing now. He then asked the question, why didn't the people from the NRA come to support the brother who had the gun permit. Why didn't they come out and march for them? He said the only time they came out for banning assault rifles was what? Black Panthers. The Black Panthers. So he immediately establishes again, this isn't about the Second Amendment. I know that. I live in Ohio, rural Ohio. I know how much y'all love guns. He's talked about that before. Mm -hmm. But then he says, I am clear that this is about race. And then he comes back after he says, you know, George Floyd, Candace Owens, my goddamn hero. And then he says, this is not funny at all. Now he's over the, he's over the edge. He's over the edge now. So it's really not, and he, so very quickly, what does he add as the second sentence? 
Well, I got some pussy jokes, but uh, <laughs> well, I don't feel like I need to tell them. In other words, I know y'all scared, but I'm gonna tell. I'm talking to several different audiences at once and one audience at the same time, and I'm going to pull back now. And then he brings it in for a landing. Here's where we bring in the great grandfather. Oh my God, I couldn't believe he said. Remember when he says, "Okay," remember when he says he didn't. Uh, he said he didn't do the Grammys. The Grammys, yeah. Right. He said he didn't do the Grammys that night because what was that? It was eight twenty-four. It's August twenty-four. Right. I'm trying to remember. Was that when Mike Brown? I know Mike Brown was killed. He, was, he said. He was, yeah. Well, go ahead. I'm, I'm trying to no, remember. No, no, no. You tell it. No, I'm trying to remember why he why he evoked. It was something happened that night, and somebody in the comments they're going to talk about this. Was thing. it Kobe? No. Well, Kobe. Yeah, he said Kobe died. That's what it was. Right. Yeah. And he talked about he didn't do the Grammys that right. Kobe died. That's what it was. And he said they retired both his numbers, eight and twenty-four. Right. Eight twenty-four is my birthday. Right. See, Dave Chappelle, I mean, and some people saw them five percenters they run in. You know, you you from Jersey, so you already know. Nations of gods and earths, they're gonna take a number and flip it a mid. I mean, with Rakim, my man Rakim, I went to see him because my I man- I know you don't have a book. I know you don't have a book. I know you do not have a book. <laughs> no, Rakim. You know Rakim when he wrote his memoir, right? I just have a thing. book, right? My man signed it. Yeah, I love oh, Rakim. That's my, my man. Yeah, but, he is in but, my, he's my top five. Go ahead. That's, oh, def definitely top five. Yeah. Bakari Kitwana, who I, you know, used to be editor of The Source, you know, Bakari helped him write the book. Because I went to the Kennedy Center tonight, they came to talk about it. And, you know, Rakim is in his book breaking down that math. It may sound crazy and it makes stereotypes out of it. And it, yeah, but y'all better listen. People dealing with numbers like that, it ain't no random stuff. You, it, you can agree or disagree. Because it's universal. It's universal. Math, Karen. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 this no, it's what? divine order. It's universal. What does Humpate Ba say about the Doma? You must be true because speech is a function of reality that's coming through you. So the words that come out of your mouth got to be accurate if you're part of this club. You can be a jolly who's a hype man or a hype woman, but you're not responsible. When I show up, it's got to be true. So as you said, when the five percenters and the nation of guys on earth, so they, they deal with math, they're saying, what did, uh, what did the Wu say? Uh, Allah's mathematics is higher than college. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> you, math is the universal language. And if you listen to musicians talk about math, they talk about math in terms of sound the same way. Thelonious Monk saying, you ain't got to play every note. You space the notes and then you imagine between them. It's all math. In other words, it's all relationships, which is why we tell young people who say they can't do math, but they spend five hours a day playing basketball. If you can get the angle on a bounce pass with a spin to get somebody going to the hoop, you can figure out trigonometry. You just haven't been taught how to correlate, how to use the metaphor, because it's all math. Dave Chappelle says they retired both his numbers, 8 and 24. He said, 8, 24 is my birthday. And I'm saying, okay, he's just, again, evoking another ancestor mm -hmm. as the president. He said, but I didn't do the Grammys that night. And, and he was born at 8, 46 in the morning. When he started with that, he Come said, on. George Floyd died in the exact time that I was born, 8, 46. This man... They should pay, I'm saying, dude, it ain't even in the book. Because as you were experiencing this, you are linking this to a cosmic rhythm, which is why that last rat-a-tat-tat is going to be important. Now he says, you know, we're protesting. 
He said, but what I found out, what I know is that my great grandfather, he says, you know, the first person to go to the White House to the president was Frederick Douglass. He said, and nobody went back until Roosevelt. And I'm thinking in my mind, Booker T. Washington had. Yeah, I was thinking Booker T. as well. I'm thinking Booker yeah. T, but you know he meant FDR. Right. I mean, we know Booker T, right? And people don't realize, yeah, there's, there's a couple of good books on this. But yeah, Booker T went to have a meal with, 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 uh, Ro with Teddy Roosevelt, and the world went crazy. People say, oh, you let this black man? There's a famous picture of them mm -hmm. drawing them sitting at the table, right? So you letting a nigga in the White House? But he didn't use Teddy Roosevelt. He skipped over that meeting and went to 1912. No, 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 I'm sorry, 1918. He didn't name the number, but he said, my great-grandfather was part of a delegation that went to see Woodrow Wilson. Now, here's where it gets very interesting. William David Chappelle, who we talked about, as you said. <laughs> we didn't know this was coming. It's all in divine order, right? Finally, William David Chappelle, the bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. He was elevated to the bishopric in 1912. That's why 12 was stuck in my mind. He was the president of Allen University. Where my Dave daddy Chappelle. went to school. You say it again? Where my father went to school. Where your father went to school, as we talked about when we brought him up weeks ago. People are like, oh. y'all not playing this? No, divine order is planning this. Read what Hampate Ba said. When you talk and trying to tell the truth, you can't go wrong. Why? Because you're tapped into a rhythm that transcends our physical existence. That's why we know we're going to win. People say, we can't win? Oh, no, you're wrong about that. See, go back to Michael Joseph Jackson in the Wiz. The only way you can't win is if you're in the game. Because Mike said, you can't win, you can't get even, you can't get out of the game. No, if you get out of the game, you ain't got to work. Get out the game, which is why the scarecrow had to come down off the post. The game is getting you to believe you got to stay on that post, bro. That's all you got to get off the post. Dave Chappelle is off the post, off the reservation. Dave Chappelle said, I'm just going to call it the way it is. And when I do that, I'm evoking ancestors. I'm in this. So he says, my grandfather went to see Woodrow Wilson. Now, he skipped over another meeting, too. Skipped over Teddy Roosevelt. But what he didn't say was, and what I, you know, I knew is that um, Bishop uh, Chappelle went in 1918, four years before William Monroe Trotter had gone. Because Woodrow Wilson was segregate, was continuing to segregate Washington, D.C., everything, you know, Jim Crow. And For the record, 1915, Birth of a Nation was yes. screened in the East Room. How about his, that? Say something about his, that. Huh? Birth of a Nation, is. one of the most destructive for Black people films ever. D.W. Griffith, they call it one of the best films ever, uh, which set the, the course for how Black people would be treated and seen and perceived, was screened in the White House. Woodrow Wilson's White House in the East with his children that's how powerful that movie was Isn't in 1915 yes then he comes out and releases a statement saying alas it is all true it's like history written with lightning you white supremacist virginia born <laughs> president of princeton university all you ivy leaguers thinking come on. yes come, come on. on all them statues got to come down too i've been in the graveyard where woodrow wilson was buried yeah princeton university right at, right near where paul robeson was born come on all that stuff got to go if you want to have a country which is where dave Chappelle is going he says my grand my great grandfather challenged that power and it's very interesting because why did bishop Chappelle 
lead the AME church ministers into a confrontation with Woodrow Wilson? Because that same racist that you, as you just said, gave platform to a movie celebrating the Klan as the defender of white supremacy and white nationalism and white womanhood, by the way, which is why Ida B. Wells was like, see, y'all think it's about these white, no, it ain't about violence, it ain't about black men, it's about white women, who Dave Chappelle dismissed 10 minutes before when the white cop was with Domer and did the stuff that caused Domer to complain about her, that got him driven out LAPD, that sent him into the woods in the first place. He's, he done connected all these dots and the issue they were there to confront him on was lynching, was lynching, was lynching. Dave Chappelle, but here's the backstory that he didn't talk about. Because remember, you, all, he did all this in less time it takes. Let's talk about it. He did all this. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Yes. <laughs> yes what we're doing on this, people are sitting there like, well, yeah, we're giving y'all the bibliography now. Here's the thing. He gave y'all the Cliff's Notes. He gave you the classroom. You can now study this for years, what Dave Chappelle just did. But here's the backstory that wasn't in it. One of the lynchings that had taken place in Dave Chappelle's grand, great-grandfather's home of South Carolina, you know, as, as we know, Allen in Columbia, the state capital, was the lynching of a dude named Pink Wiley. Remember when Dave Chappelle said, remember why Dave Chappelle said the dude got lynched, which is why Chappelle and them went up there? Mm-hmm. He said, well, he had a dispute over $30 and he was killed. It's an interesting book by a brother named Sonny Wilson. Sonny Wilson wrote a book called Toast of the Town. Sonny Wilson was Bishop William David Chappelle's driver. <laughs> he was also a dude like the nightlife. And I was saying, so just a few pages in his biography, autobiography, that talks about Bishop Chappelle. He said, when I was a young man, I drove this bishop around, uh, this guy, this reverend named uh, uh, Reverend Chappelle. He was president of Allen University. And then he became a bishop in the AME Church. He said, he got arrested. He said the governor of South Carolina told the Cadillac dealership in Columbia to let Bishop Chappelle buy a Cadillac because in South Carolina, black people could not own Cadillacs. White people didn't like to see that. But he said Bishop Chappelle was such a striking and powerful figure in South Carolina that even the governor didn't mess with him. And the governor said, I like, I like Bishop Chappelle. Let Bishop Chappelle buy a Cadillac. This dude. Sonny Wilson says he's driving to Orangeburg for a football game at what we now know as South Carolina State University. They call it a state college in South Carolina, right across the street. Well, in fact, no, not even across the street. There's only a little thin chain link fence with a hole in it that divides Claflin from South Carolina State. I know because I came through that hole a few months ago, back in uh, <laughs> February, I was down there for a conference. I said, let me go over here because the Orangeburg Massacre, of course. Cleve Sellers, who you had on your show, Cleve Sellers' fa- uh, son, Bakari. Bakari, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. who just written his own book, but his father was the only person ever arrested and prosecuted for the Orangeburg Massacre, as he talks about. Um, again, I, I won't say anything else about uh, our brother Bakari Sellers, except to say that his father is a hell of a role model. I told him that the first time I met him, Cleve Sellers. Well, anyway, so the young man, Sonny, was going to the game at South Carolina State. He gets pulled over by the police and they put him in jail, driving his car. He's in jail. He calls Bishop Chappelle, who posts bail. And then the governor comes when it's time to arraign him in court. The actual governor comes to the courtroom and says, yeah, Wilson's a good man, let him go. And the judge lets him go. So this is, this is Bishop Chappelle flexing. But here's where I want to go with this. 
while he's sitting in jail, he spends the night in jail. He says, in his autobiography, he says, when I was in jail, I heard them, I heard quite a bit of excitement. They were talking about the fact that this guy, Pink Wiley, had just been lynched because he had come down, I think it's from New York. He had come down from New York on a business affair because Pink Wiley owned these businesses and he had more money than the white men in this little town near Orangeburg. And they didn't like it. So when he came down there to settle on his business affairs, they lynched him. And as I'm listening to Dave Chappelle, I'm thinking, wait, was that Pink Wiley? Did your great grandfather came up there to complain to Wilson about, but what's the point? He's saying, the violence that we face now, we will confront it. My great grandfather confronted it. I ain't got to say nothing. The streets will talk, just like the streets talk then. And then he comes with the end. He says, these streets will speak. He says, I trust you. I love you. We're going to keep this space open as the last safe space for civil discourse. Because if it's not this, and then he puts the punchline in. It's rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat. I'm like, dude, just the end. No, what is Dave Chappelle saying? I ain't got to say shit because my people ain't forgot. We got God on our side. We got ancestors on our side. If y'all don't understand, I'm just giving y'all the advance notice for your last chance to turn away. Please understand, like Baldwin wrote in the fire next time, this is mm. your end, friends. And he drops the mic and that's over in 26 minutes. I couldn't. If there is an America in 50 years, they're going to be dissecting that tape. <laughs> and if there, there isn't, America. A, and if there isn't one, we're gonna be laughing at it because we are going to survive. That's what Dave Chappelle was saying. So that was that's that's what I thought you about know, that. <laughs> I have I have so much hope, not just hope, hope and optimism, and surety. Yes, that what you just said is absolutely correct, and yes. it allows me to get up every day and do the stuff that I'm doing. Yes. And we're just gonna keep providing breadcrumbs because uh, a learned people can never be defeated. Never. I want to thank you for, for this. Uh, it, it gives me something to look forward to on the weekend that I never thought I would want to get for, look forward to. Um, and we're going to keep this going. Uh, I think we're going to uh, talk about Juneteenth and some other stuff next. Yes. But I, would, I just want to thank you, Dr. Carr, Africana Studies uh, mm. Department Chair at the great Howard University. But mm. we're going to keep doing this, Dr. Thank Carr. Thank you. Thank you, President Hunter, my colleague, my friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. All right. Till next time, y'all. Uh, subscribe to this channel and Please. and then hit Dr. Carr on Twitter at Africana, Africana Carr, C A R A R A. There's two R's in Carr. Africana Carr. Let them know how you think, what you feel. Give us some feedback on it. Follow me at Karen Hunter, real simply. Please follow her and subscribe and like. Subscribe and like and put the thumbs up. Yes. Punch those things up there. Pump it. All right. Love you. Love you too.